spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. Crash landed. From comics to video games. From the cinematic universe to television. Connecting you to the biggest stars in the industry. Something out there had discovered us. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. This week, London calling for us once again. It's episode 346 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham, and last week we heard from Bruno Heller, one of the developers and writers of the Pennyworth series from Epics. Well, since the series premieres season two this weekend, I thought I had to get out from Pennyworth on himself. Jack Bannon going to join me this week to talk about what's going on with Alfred in the beginning of this season. We'll look back to season one. A little bit. He actually has some pretty good teases for you. I can't wait for you to hear what he's got in store. Speaking of something I can't wait for you to hear. Yes, our sponsor Kobo is back once again. You want to get some great audiobooks to listen to while you're wrapping gifts these this holiday. I have a great deal for you coming up. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes. Also going to dive into a couple of really cool new comics this week. There's Spider-Man news to talk about. But first... We've got to dive into a brand new series from Amazon Prime Video. My spoiler-free review of The Wilds is up next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is Kobe Bell from The Gifted, and you are listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This week, it's time to talk about the worst retreat ever. That's right. The Wilds is now here from Amazon Prime Video. The first young adults live-action series, actually from Amazon Prime Video. So I'm going to go ahead and do go spoiler-free here. I know the series is out, but it, like, just came out. So I don't think it would be fair to drop any spoilers. Plus, I mean, there's a lot of, like, twists and turns at the end of each episode of this series. Basically, it's, it's about a group of teenage girls, all kinds of different backgrounds, and they get stuck after their plane crashes, and they're on a deserted island, which, you know, is a familiar vibe, right? But, you know, they some of them bond together. Some of them obviously butt heads a little bit because we are talking about teenage girls here. Not everybody's going to be getting along. There's They all have their secrets. They all have stuff going on in their past. And they've all been through something. That It's it's funny how they, they have so many differences, yet at the same time, there's so many common bonds between these characters. And I'll get to the, the fact that there's more going on here in just a second, but... If you like character-driven series, then this is really going to hit home for you because you're going to get backstories on pretty much all the girls in this series. So, And that's something you don't usually get, especially with an ensemble cast like you have here. You're not always going to get in-depth backstories on absolutely everyone. Now, some of, now it's easy a little bit because you know some of them are sisters, so you you know you get to you get to you know get the backstories of of both of the sisters and 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 stuff like that together. But it's it's not always like that. Some of them travel in pair in pairs of like relatives and stuff like that, and some of them did not necessarily. So that well, they did travel in. You'll understand when you watch the series. Let's just put it that way. So you really do get to dive in to what these characters have been through, what they're experiencing. And I can tell you this right now, and I think that this is pretty obvious. To say that I know what it's like to be a teenage girl is obviously ridiculous. I don't know what that's like. It's, it's, it's hard enough living, living that, I'm sure. It's, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like 
I know what it's like to be a teenage girl. So if if this if that disqualifies me from talking about the show, then I'm sorry. But at the same time, I think that there is a, another story here that goes beyond just the teenage girl story. And I think it would be, you know, I'd, it'd be a disservice to just dismiss this series. It's just, oh, well, it's teenage girls going through teenage girl stuff, but it just happens to be occurring on an island. It's much more to it than that. So I want to just dispel that right away. So, and you look at some of these individual stories and what they're going through. Like, you look at Leah's story, for example. She's one of the first stories that we see, and you and you just see what happens to her, and then the dynamic between Rachel and Nora, and you kind of see how they have gone through their lives differently and things like that, and then you get to, like, Dot and what she's gone through, and you start to really feel for these characters, but at the same time, once they get on the island and you start seeing them interacting with each other, you are going to form opinions of these girls that are a little bit different than they were in the backstories. And maybe you see what they go through and you're like, oh, okay, I could see why, you know, they, you know, they might not necessarily be the nicest person in the world or they might be, you know, snapping at somebody for this particular reason. But at the same time, is that going to be enough to excuse what you're seeing? That's up to you. When you watch the series, that much I can tell you, but it's, it's, it is very interesting to see how in this situation they either clash or they come together and who clashes and comes together. And, you know, there's, there, there are certain like hidden insecurities and things like that that go, go along with this. But again, you're talking about teenage girls here. And then there's the larger story that surrounds this that I can't really Again, I said no spoilers, so I can't really talk too much about this, but you obviously get the vibe, and some of the girls are very smart here and get the vibe too, that there's something more going on here than just a simple plane crash. And isn't there always, right? We, you've, you know, this is, to a degree, you've seen the story before, right? And the plane crash is never just a plane crash. There's something else to it. Well, we do get the, we do find out very early on that there's something more to it. Okay, so that that's not a spoiler. There's definitely something more to this. And you get to see that slowly play out as the episodes go on. But it's also interesting to see how the girls start to find things out over time too as well and how that affects not only the story but their dynamic as well and how it it almost, you know, maybe doesn't affect their dynamic because maybe some people are still keeping secrets for some reason. And maybe somebody has a much bigger secret than others. Hint, hint, wink, wink. And maybe you'll start to decide if maybe you know who that is. But again, this series is also, you know, it's very far from perfect, okay? And if you're not a fan of young adult series, you might get a little bit annoyed at some of the stuff that happens with some of these characters. I will warn you about that right now. But you have to look past the what's on the surface. That's one thing I, w- I want to urge you to do is if you're going to give this series a chance, don't look at what's on the surface. You have to go beyond that because there are there's not only a larger mystery at play, but there are some good character dynamics as the show goes on. So don't just look at the teenage angst stuff on the surface and just dismiss the series as that because there's more going on here. And it's and it's not like it's not Lord of the Flies ish either. I wouldn't call it. I mean, it's lost ask. But can we say that about everything that involves a plane crash? 
on a deserted island. I'm sh- that s- story certainly happened before Lost happened as well, right? There's been stranded on desert island thing before, or deserted island, excuse me. So it's not like this is just a Lost concept, and Lost definitely had a different story than the Wilds has. So again, don't go into this thinking it's going to be Lost either. This is a story unto itself. And again, it's not the perfect story, but it definitely has a lot going on for it too. And this is one of those stories that if you decide to give it a chance and maybe peel the onion a little bit, I think that this is one of those shows that could really catch on. I certainly enjoyed it. I, I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I actually did. But again, if you can get if you get caught up in some of these characters a little bit and then you see the, st- the other story start to unfold around that, I think that this is a show that you could really get into. It's definitely a bingeable series. 13 episodes, probably a bit much. I probably would have stopped it at 10. I think you could have done 10 in this instance. But, I mean, 13's not too bad, I, w- I would say. So, 13 episodes in this first season if you want to go ahead and binge the first season of The Wilds on Amazon Prime Video. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of The Wilds. Up next, going to dive into Pennyworth once again. Going to debut on Epics this weekend. We'll talk to star Jack Barrow, who plays Alfred on the series, next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, this is voice actor Roger Craig Smith, and you guys are listening, you lucky people, to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. And we're back. Pennyworth returns to Epics on Sunday this week, and I cannot wait for you guys to see Season two, and I was really happy that I got a chance to talk to some members of the cast at a press event that happened recently. And getting to talk to Jack Bannon and get his insight on this season was priceless. So listen for yourself. My interview with Jack Bannon, who plays Alfred Pennyworth on the Pennyworth series from Epics. Jack, how are you? Very well. How are you? Doing great, my friend. Doing great. Now, we saw Alfred kind of get off to, he was uh, very optimistic when things started in season one and at the, be- at the beginning. So after everything he's gone through and it's a lot where would you say he is mentally starting this season yeah it is a lot i think he's his humor and optimism and resolve has been tested i think starting this season he's he's much colder i think he's much he's probably much more selfish in a way you know he's he's realized that giving 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 out to other people all the time is kind of a limited resource and and he's he's not had a lot of luck in getting things back, if you like. So I think he's he's much more focused on himself, family, what's close to him, and determined to kind of get out of England and, and make a fresh start. I mean, it's always good to have friends by your side when you're doing that too. And I mean, Alfred's best mates have certainly been there for him through thick and thin so far. Where do you think he'd be right now without Bazza and Dave Boy? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I think he'd be completely lost. I think every great character has their kind of sidekicks their mentors their their kind of angel and devil on their shoulders and their their kind of voice of reason and i think a lot of you know the friendship is you you see it alfred kind of lays out these theories and even though he's he is the boss he kind of lays out these theories to those two and and between the three of them in a in a very balanced kind of thinking of every eventuality kind of way they they come up with with a plan. So I think he, yeah, they, they give him the sort of love and support that he needs really. He'd probably be dead if it wasn't for them. Well, you know, given the circumstances and everything you went through last season, I mean, that's not too much of a stretch. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, you also had a very interesting dynamic with Thomas and Martha, obviously, last season as well. And, I mean, they worked fairly well together at times, then other times you know, it was a little shaky. So do you still think there's going to be some trust issues with either one of them heading into this season? Yeah, I think so. I think Alfred kind of he keeps him at arm's length, really. I think, you know, in this season, Martha is kind of almost almost fully sort of militarized and um with the no name league and thomas is cia station chief now so he's kind of got more going on but yeah i think there's still a level of suspicion and almost alfred kind of likes thomas kind of squirms around him a little bit and i think alfred kind of likes making him feel uncomfortable it's an interesting dynamic and a great one for me to play with ben who i don't need to tell you is fantastic isn't it great, though, in this show that it wasn't like they got on so well right from the beginning, right? It wasn't like this storybook thing where, like, oh, they're, they're best chums from the beginning. Did, did you like that about the dynamic between these two characters? I mean, given the way things work out in the far future. Yeah, I think, you know, any you have to be careful with origin stories because we know where they end up. And a lot of the time people are like, what is, you know, it's surely not going to be that interesting finding out how they get there. But I think Bruno's been very clever in that it's not a kind of buddy thing from the off. And it's it's far more complicated than that. And I think we see that grow, that relationship grow in season two. But still, you know, it's still not where it ends up. And I, for one, am intrigued to see how, you know, they're going to have to go through some stuff for, for Thomas to be able to trust Alfred with ultimately what he does trust him with. Yeah, they, they're going to have to go on a real journey, which I'm excited about. You mentioned the no names, and I wanted to bring that up because it seems like things have gone downhill pretty fast in the year between season one yeah. and season two. So tease for us just a little bit. How dire are things at the start of this season? Oh, they're really bad. England's at civil war completely. The Ravens are kind of fully militarized they've got the backing of the army so they're a force to be reckoned with they've taken over most of the country london specifically soho is a neutral zone and alfred's running a nightclub um and a new nightclub in soho which is a complete neutral zone so you know it's a great dramatic tool because he can be there in the right and the left and everyone can all can all be there and get along but it's um yeah i mean london is clinging on, but really in England is is in a sort of vicious dictatorship with Lord Harwood at the at the front of it. So it's not a very nice place to be. It's certainly not the kind of swinging sixties that um, that it could have been. So yeah. Speaking of Lord Harwood, I'm really kind of hoping that we get to see Alfred and Lord Lord Harwood square off at some point. What do you think would happen if the two of them did face off? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jason's a tricky customer, so I feel like I wouldn't necessarily want to be in a room with Lord Harwood for for too long. But I, yeah, who knows? We'll see. That's funny too, because you look at him and you say, "This guy's probably not going to overpower me." But there's just, I don't know. There's something about him that makes me go, "This guy scares me," and I don't know why. Yeah, I completely agree. Funny because yeah, Jason's I'll... like the nicest guy in the world, but he isn't he, that always he, how it works, though. <laughs> yeah definitely definitely 
We talk about everything that, that Alfred went through last season, and I'm sure that what happened with Esme is obviously still weighing on his mind. I mean, he did have a little tryst with the Queen last season, so do you feel like he's going to be able to move on at some point? I mean, I know we've got Sandra in the picture, so talk a little bit about that aspect of his life. Yeah, I think um, Sandra, you know, provides him with a huge amount of comfort, and I think she... We we do, we do see that. I mean, season two takes place a year on. I feel like for Alfred, Esme was kind of that one that he probably never really gets over fully. It was a shocking end and a, probably a first love. So that's kind of a hole that he's never going to be able to fill. But I think once he kind of makes peace with that, you know, he has a he has a he has a pretty good thing going on with Sandra who is this the resident singer in Alfred's new club. She's kind of becoming a bit of a pop star and a bit of a big deal. So he, so we see her kind of navigate that and them as a couple kind of deal with that. So, yeah, and there's there's others. There's there's new characters that come in and, um, yeah, he's, he's not depressed in, in bed for too long. Speaking of those new characters, by the way, Jack, before I let you go, I mean, you've got an amazing cast returning for this season, obviously, but there's a lot of new faces as well. Which one of those new faces are you excited to see the most, other than Sandra, obviously, who we just talked about? Yes, I mean, Sandra, Ramon, and all those people, Aziz, um, those people who come back is fantastic. For me, I think James Purefoy and Jessica DeGal play, play a married couple, Captain Troy and Melanie Troy, respectively, who's an old army captain of Alfred's, who's kind of a man of, of lots of uh, desires, whether it's women, alcohol, violence, you know, he's a real dark character that Alfred kind of sees a bit of himself in. And um, James and Jessica were fantastic to work with. So I'm excited for audiences to see them. Can't wait to see it ourselves too. It premieres December the 13th. That's a Sunday on Epics at nine o'clock. Make sure you're, make sure you're ready for it, but you're not ready for it. Trust me. Jack Bannon, thank you so much for joining me, man. This week, the Down and Nerdy podcast is brought to you by Kobo and the great deals that are waiting for you at Kobo.com slash Down and Nerdy and that 30-day free audiobook subscription trial. What's great is even after the trial, it's only $12.99 a month after that. For one monthly credit, that means you get to choose an audiobook from the catalog regardless of the list price, which is always amazing and and this is the thing on the go listening you can listen to the audiobooks and it lets you fit more reading into your life i mean there's so many different things that you do in life where you just need to listen to something in the background this is the perfect thing for that because audiobooks allow you to take your story with you anywhere and the kobo app which is absolutely free by the way is where you can access this thing where you can listen to your library at all times and you can listen to the audiobooks while you're, you're making dinner you're doing laundry you know you've got the kids doing their homeschooling in the other room you've got something that you want to do this is a perfect time and i mean on your commute too is one of those times where i think i would listen to my audiobooks the most for me right so go to kobo.com slash down and nerdy get your 30-day free trial that'll give you one credit for an audiobook that you could choose regardless of the list price, $12.99 after that. And you can always top off on more credits as well and find your next favorite story on Kobo. Once again, thanks to Jack Bannon for joining me this week to talk about Pennyworth up next. How about we dive into some more stories of our own, talk about some comics. It's what we're reading next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, I'm Casper Wingard. I'm a comic artist, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. 
Tis the season for new comics, and whatever you're reading on, it's time for what we're reading. And I love this one because it's got a bunch of different stories in it. It's Batman Black and White, number one from DC Comics, multiple creative teams involved here if you want to get that list i'll have links up and down in nerdypodcast.com for you to do that it'd take forever for me to list all the creative teams but i will point out a couple that stood out to me so there are a number of different stories here some are actually told almost completely without dialogue with just art and the internal monologue too which is very very cool and something you don't see very often and yes the whole issue is in black and white hence the name now, I think my favorite story, though, came at the end, though. It was G. Willow Wilson doing the writing and Greg Smallwood doing the art. And it had a really cool throwback vibe to it. The suit had a nice, cool throwback look. Plus, it gave you a side of Killer Croc that you don't really often get to see. And I thought that that was really, really neat. And there was some in-depth emotional stuff going on here. And, and again, something you don't really expect in what amounts to what was really a quickie story because you got... A few different stories here in a 40-plus page issue. I think there was like four stories in this thing. So, you know, you don't get a ton of pages of these stories. But what you do get, I mean, this one really dove deeper than all the rest, I thought. So it stood out to me. Also, Paul Dini and Andy Kubert have a really good story that really, it's it's a strong outing art-wise for sure. But, I mean, Ninja Man Bats, that's, that's cool, right? That's always, that that sounds like fun. There's also... The woman who unleashed them, who you will definitely know and recognize in this. And and again, I, I got to give Smallwood and Cooper real, a lot of credit here. Probably the best art in this first issue was out of the two of them. The, the art was pretty solid throughout, actually, but those two really, really stood out to me. But it was really cool seeing all the, the, the different designs that were of the Batsuit. You know, some of the, 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 the points on the ears and the cow were a little bit different. There was a kind of an homage to one of the very first issues of Batman as well. It looked like there was a little bit of a Darwin Cook inspiration for some of this is for some of this as well. So the the art was probably my favorite thing about this book. The the stories that were written were, were pretty good as well. But the the art to me was the star of the show. Plus I'm a sucker for black and white anyway. There were different angles taken by each creative team too, so it felt like you weren't reading the same story over and over. Not every story was a winner for me. I'm not going to, you know, name names here, but I mean, this is a fun kind of a break kind of book where you can, you know, enjoy an issue on occasion, I think, especially if you see a creative team that catches your eye in one of these issues. I think that this is one of those, if you like inks if you like your art to the inks then this is definitely something that you'll dig quite a bit so that's one of the reasons that i really wanted to check out batman black and white number one from dc now here's a creative team i was really happy to see come together again in homesick pilots number one from image comics and it was the return of dan waters and casper wingard together don't forget several years ago had them on the show to talk about limbo so great conversation with them and did you bit a car is doing the lettering for this as well. Now, things start out as a story between two rival bands called the Homesick Pilots and the Nuclear Bastards, which, you know, kind of punk, rock, grunge-type bands that if you're trying to get a picture in your head before you decide whether or not you want to read this issue. Now, the pilot's leader, and I call her the leader because I think she is, Amy has a great idea for a gig at a notoriously haunted house. And I'll try not to get into too many spoilers here. 
Now, much like haunted house legends, you know, nobody believes it. There, there's stories that somebody's heard. You know, it's not a firsthand type story either. So everybody's like, yeah, okay, whatever, haunted, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Now, the nuclear bastards have one very unstable member who's constantly causing trouble and just basically a douche, for lack of a better way of putting it, very destructive douche at, at that as well. So after he kind of says something about Amy's past, she takes off. She takes, she takes offense to it and obviously should have, too, by the way. And, and there's also the, you know, is it a true statement or is it not kind of thing. If you're a reader, you have to try and you, know, you have to wonder about that a little bit. And she kind of ends up going to this house alone. Now, remember, this was her idea in the first place. Now, the next day, the pilots kind of go looking for her because they don't know where she is. And they also don't know that they're going to run into the bastards, the, the band, not not the people, that would end up in the same house, right? I guess they kind of are bastards. Only one of them is really a decent human being, it seems like. So that's when all hell breaks loose is when they both end up in this house. And and that is as far as I will take it as far as, as what I can tell you what happens. Now, when we do see Amy again, though, and we do, it's not quite the same, and it raises a lot of questions about the house. And this is one of those things where you think you've got it figured out and you go, okay, well now I have to see the second issue because I thought I had this thing. I thought it was pretty obvious and maybe it's not as obvious as I think it is. Having this creative team back together of Waters and Wingard, it's just, there's something about having them and their creators on this book, by the way, that just, it, it's, it works. And it's a reminder of how cool, the cool and funky vibes that they created with Limbo and some of the stuff that they've done separately from each other as well. But when you bring them together, they just have a way of creating this unique, funky vibe that just works in their stories. And they make no apologies, by the way, that this is a haunted house story. And they act that it's very obvious in the in the story as it's being told that they're it's like they're holding their hands up like, yes, hey, this is a haunted house story. But they also give you a clear twist to make things unique and interesting. It's not ambiguous at all. They're just telling you, hey, this is a haunted house story, but here's what we're going to do to make it different. Come on for the ride with us, won't you? And I'm absolutely going to do that. The art was stellar, but I'm a Casper Wingard fan. I make no apologies for that. Dan Waters always brings something unique to the table in his writing. So, yeah, I'm going to grab the next copy of this one for sure. Homesick Pilots, number one. From Image. Matter of fact, just throw this in your pull box. I don't think you'll be sorry about that. It's going to do for what we're reading up next. Yep, there's always some big nerd news, even though it is the holiday season. We'll dive into it next. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Hi, this is Wynn Everett, and I'm from Marvel's Agent Carter, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. There's certainly a lot to get invested in. It's time for nerd news. And Thursday night was a big night. It was the big information dump, for lack of a better way of putting it, from Disney's investors presentation about all the stuff that's going to be coming from Disney and Marvel and Star Wars and all kinds of different stuff. So, I mean, if you were following along in real time on social media, it was a lot to take in. I mean, a lot. So here's what I'm going to do for you. I want to focus on Marvel. I want to focus on Star Wars. Those are the two that I really want to focus on in this. I'll have more coverage for you down in nerdypodcast.com. We'll cover some of the other stuff more as it gets closer 
and it starts to get updated a little bit more because I feel like these are the two most important things. Starting with Marvel, apparently there are 10 Marvel series in the works for Disney+. Plus. Okay, you ready for this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list them, and then we're going to take a deep dive into some of them that actually get sizzle reels and trailers and stuff and some confirmations. So one of them is Secret Invasion. That is going to be with Samuel L. Jackson. That is going to be what basically looks like our Nick Fury series, for lack of a better term, since we really don't know a whole lot about it yet. You've got Iron Heart, so we're going to get a different Iron Man in the form of Iron Heart. It's going to be Dominique Thorne as the genius inventor. We're going to have Armor Wars with Don Cheadle as War Machine taking the lead here, apparently taking on Tony Stark's worst fears in that series. And those are the those were basically the new ones that we didn't already know about that were announced during this. Now, we did get some confirmations of stuff that we already knew and were like the worst-kept secrets ever. Haley Steinfeld is going to be Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye series. That's a done deal. That's happening. You saw, you've seen the set photos. I don't like to talk about set photos because I think it you know spoils a lot of stuff, and I don't like that. So that's why I haven't mentioned it on social media or on the podcast or, or on the website or anything. I just don't like set photos. But the other one... That was confirmed was Tatiana Maslany is going to be in She-Hulk, is going to play the lead in that series. But we also are going to have Mark Ruffalo and Tim Roth in the series, which is something we did not know. We thought that we might see Ruffalo in the series. Now we know we're going to see that. Another new one that was actually announced was Guardians of the Galaxy is getting a holiday special, which, I mean, you know what? Why not, right? Why not do that? I, I, that could be fun. And then I Am, Gre- Gro- I Am Groot is going to be a series of original shorts starring, of course, everyone's favorite tree. So, again, there's a lot of fun stuff to dive into from Marvel here. That We had a couple of movie announcements as well. Fantastic Four is going to be what seems like the first 20th Century Fox property to be adapted as a Marvel Studios movie. That should really be... No surprise, though. So we're going to get Fantastic Four. And the new Ant-Man and the Wasp movie is going to be called Quantumania. Now, the other thing about the movies before I dive back into the Disney Plus series is that it seems like for now, Disney is committed to sending all of their Marvel Studios movies to theaters only. So Black Widow fans, maybe you're a little bit upset. Maybe you know there was no Eternals trailer either. Maybe you're upset about that. I get it, but listen, it's you can't just because Warner Brothers decided to do what they did doesn't mean that everybody's just going to follow suit after the fact. Could Disney end up reversing course and you know if things change and you know virus numbers and all those things? Could they end up reversing course and putting the putting Black Widow on Disney Disney Plus Premium Access? They they could absolutely do that. They didn't have to announce that here and do that. Okay. This isn't something they had to do, so why do it now? The only reason that Warner Brothers did it when they did is because they had a big tentpole project that was going to be released in December, and they had to say something. They've also got stuff coming up in January that needs attention as far as big movie releases are concerned. They needed to say something. Disney does not have to do that. So I'm not surprised that we didn't get that announcement here. Now, What we did get was a look at some of the series that we've been waiting on looks for for a while. And one of them was Loki, which, of course, we'll see in May of 2021. We're going to see stuff about his captivity. We're going to see the TVA. We're also going to get a return trip to Asgard. 
it looks like. But this is a series that looks darker, actually, than I expected, story-wise. But it does a very good job of not really giving away a whole lot. But it almost looks like a Suicide Squad-esque type. Loki's being sent on on missions, but he's not really completely free sort of thing. So it's a very, very interesting take, and I'm curious to see exactly where the story goes. But it does look like he gets some freedom eventually but I mean they wouldn't be it just wouldn't be Loki if he didn't find his way out of it right so I I just I Tom Hilston I can't wait for this series to come out in May of next year it seems like though we've been waiting forever for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and that is finally going to be happening Disney Plus March the 19th yes we finally got a look but I will say that as far as the look was concerned we didn't get really much in the way of story that was revealed in this, right? I mean, we do see that, you know, Sam's kind of conflicted about taking up the shield from Captain for Captain America, and, you know, who wouldn't be, though, right? And it does seem like there's a bit of a, you know, brotherly-type dynamic going on with Sam and Bucky, which I think is going to be really, really neat coming up in this series. What we did get to see was a lot of very action-packed scenes, a lot of stuff, clearly going on we didn't really get a look at Baron Zemo or anything like that I mean we got a quick look of him without the mask and we get a quick look of somebody jogging in what looks like a Captain America suit right but we don't get a ton of information as to what exactly is going to be going on in the series other than the synopsis and stuff that's been already released out there so no real clues dropped in this one but it was nice to it was actually nice to see something you almost started to feel like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was never coming out, right? The way things were going. And now we see, okay, progress, yes. And now we have a date, which is really, really cool. Cool. So even though the trailer didn't give away too much, you don't really want it to either. At least we have a date now. And then you see What If. And if anybody's going to know how to do animation properly, to me, it's Disney, right? They are the, the, the first innovators in animation as far as I'm concerned. So when you see What If, and of course it follows the Marvel What If, stories that that were out years ago and we're going to see a lot of those like you know Peggy Peggy Carter Carter getting the super soldier serum and becoming well let's for lack of a better term Captain Britain and then we have a different path for Star-Lord I won't really spoil what that is we've got zombie cap we've also got the watcher that's going to guide us through the whole thing so it's like the watcher is going to be our crypt keeper from like tales from the crypt it looks like and going to tell all of these different stories and it's interesting to see the animated versions of these MCU characters, because they obviously we've seen some of these characters in other Disney animation, Marvel animation styles before, but not in the context of the MCU and actually being created as their MCU characters. I think this could be one of those ones where fans end up loving it more than they think they're going to. I think this is one of those exceptions to the rule where you're going to get fans of the live action movies that are going to come to this what if series on Disney plus, especially because it's going to be so widely, widely available on Disney plus and really end up digging this thing, especially since it takes the story in different directions. And when you've been doing this for as long as Marvel studios has with these characters in these movies, getting something that goes in a completely different direction, not a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. So this is something I think is going to really, really surprise a lot of fans. Now I want to move on to the Star Wars stuff because there was a lot, but again, not a ton in the way of 
details, but 10 new Star Wars series are in the works for Disney+. Plus. Let that sink in for a second and be excited about that too, by the way. Don't complain. Don't roll your eyes. Don't talk about oversaturation. Just enjoy because we've got Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've got Ahsoka, which is going to be an Ahsoka Tano series based in the Mandalorian universe. We've got Rangers of the New Republic, which also looks like it's going to be based in the Mandalorian universe. We've got Andor, and I'll talk about that in just a second because we got a little bit of a sizzle reel for that, along with the Bad Batch, which we got a sizzle reel for, which is based in the Clone Wars animated universe. And we've got Star Wars Visions, no real information on that. Lando is going to be coming as well. The Acolyte, again, no real information about that. And a droid story. So before I move on to the big movie announcements, let's talk about this for a second because we actually got to see a little bit of a look at Andor, which is, of course, based on Cassie and Andor from Rogue One. And I like how Diego Luna came in in the sizzle reel and was talking about how, you know, when they're at the premiere and they know what an amazing movie they made in Rogue One, but they knew it was going to be a one-off. And then all of a sudden, that bittersweet feeling goes away because you get to tell more of the story and you get to tell the backstory of Cassie and Andor. And it's going to be happening in 2022, by the way. It looks like we're going to get 12 episodes. And you see in the sizzle reel the sets that they're building, the creatures they're creating, the costume designs and everything. And even everybody involved in the project in this video said, we're treating this like it is a Star Wars film, not just a Star Wars series. But I kind of got that vibe from The Mandalorian anyway. I mean, it just feels like Lucasfilm and everybody that works on a Star Wars project has that we're going to go all out mentality. And if anybody's going to have the dollars for this, it's Disney. You know, maybe not so much as they used to thanks to the pandemic, but, you know, they're going to go all out for this for sure. So this is, and we get to see a little bit of the concept art for the series as we go along as well. And we're going to learn a lot about Cassie and Andor, and I can't wait to dive into that in 2022 as far as the bad batch goes we do get a sizzle reel with that we get a ton of action we get to see the emperor we get to see a lot of great animation it actually looks they've kind of like they've kind of dialed up the animation a little bit from the clone wars it actually looks a little bit cleaner a little bit crisper but you know this is you know newer technologies come along so you can't really blame anybody for that right and you do get to see this group of bad batch you do get to kind of see them it seems like it's hinted that they are playing off of both sides of this thing too which is going to be really really fun and interesting i think that this is just going to be one of those one of those series that's you know while it's not going to be a breakout massive hit like the clone wars was i think this one's just going to be fun and there's nothing wrong with having a little fun right i i don't see what would be wrong with that at all and then the other sizzle reel we got was for a new movie that's going to be coming in the Star Wars universe. And I've been very outspoken in saying, you know, I could do without Star Wars movies for a while and just give me these series. And then Patty Jenkins shows up. And Rogue Squadron is going to be the name of her movie. And she talks about her dad going up in his, in his, in his, in his jet and, you know, how he gave his life for this country. And she's always just wanted to tell the right story that centers around flight and something fast. And here we got Rogue Squadron. It's going to be her movie. It's going to be coming out in December of 2023. And we have almost no details about what this thing's going to be about. And I don't care. I'm all in. You've got a great director in Patty Jenkins who's proven that she could tell amazing stories 
And you know, if you're gonna you want to focus on the squadron, I'm all about that. Let's absolutely focus on the squadron themselves, and let's tell these pilots stories because these are stories that have not gotten told, and we need those stories. And those, you know, maybe there's some holes to be filled there. You you could also create plot holes in this if you're not careful. But you hire somebody like Patty Jenkins because you know that she's going to be your careful, really careful, and respect the canon of the Star Wars universe. The same goes with Taika Waititi, who is finally getting his Star Wars movie, and it's going to be called Children of the Blood and Bone, which, again, could be absolutely anything. But at least we know it's confirmed that he's going to be getting a Star Wars movie now. So all of these sizzle reels, and I actually forgot when I was talking about Marvel to talk about the Miss Marvel sizzle reel. And they talked about, you know, how authentic all of the, all, uh, some of the directors are going to be from this series and in, 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 a, in a week that's, you know, cast a lot of doubt on this Miss Marvel series. And we actually do get to see Iman Vellani and we get to see the, the audition process and how she found out that she was going to be playing Kamala Khan. And we get to see a few scenes from the series that have already been shot. You know, nothing hugely substantive or anything like that, but it's it's a lot about family and it's a lot about personal relationships for her, apparently, in this first season. And that should be absolutely no surprise. And yes, we it, it has been confirmed that we will see her as well in Captain Marvel 2 when that movie is scheduled to come out a few years from now. So that's all the stuff as far as Disney, as far as Disney announcing for Marvel and for Star Wars, I know it's a lot to take in. I know that there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered, but I think we'll definitely have that information trickling out in the next several months. Maybe it'll it'll take a year, maybe two. Who knows? At least we know what the future holds for both Star Wars and Marvel, both on Disney Plus and on the big screen. Really quickly, since that was a lot, I want to talk about a couple of other things that happened this week. I want to talk about all this Spider-Man 3 craziness. And it really seems like it's going to be impossible to social distance on the Spider-Man 3 set with all of these characters that they say are going to possibly be in this movie. And this is from several sources, too, by the way. I mean, take your pick. Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Collider, you know, ComicBook.com. All of these have created some of these stories. Well, not created. There's either rumors or people have been spotted on set. You know, people are saying Tobey Maguire is going in for costume fittings now. You've got, you know, ever since the Marvel Daredevil rights have been restored, now they're saying Charlie Cox is going to play Daredevil in Spider-Man 3. You've got Jamie Foxx as Electro. You've got Alfred Molina is going to come back to play Doc Ock. And there's just all of this stuff coming at you from several different angles. And I actually saw a tweet. I feel I feel like it was from Julie Benson, writer Julie Benson on Twitter, where she said, is Spider-Man in the new Spider-Man movie? And to me, I saw that and I was like, you know what? It, it feels like that, doesn't it? You you almost forget that, oh, by the way, Tom Holland is Spider-Man right now, and he's actually in this movie. I, I'm very, very concerned in for two reasons. First of all, all of these characters, would it be fun to see them again? Absolutely, okay? It'd be fun, but, you know, it's also a little bit dangerous, too, because... You know, I don't think you're going to see a ton of any of these characters that are mentioned. You know, I talked about this with Batman versus Superman in the Justice League movie when all these casting announcements were coming out. And it's like, look, you know, a lot of these are probably going to be quick cameos. And, and oftentimes they are kind of quick, especially if in Spider-Man 3 you're going to be traveling throughout 
the multiverse with Doctor Strange, right? You're, you're going to possibly bump in to some of these characters. That should not be a surprise. But at the same time, it's like it it feels fan servicey to me. And that is what worries me that that there's going to be a focus on fan service here and not trying to tell a great story. And the other thing that worries me is the story because we've done this already. We've had a Spider-Verse movie. And while I understand why you might want to introduce the multiverse in a movie like this, and I know Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is really going to dive into that more than this one is. But at the same time, it feels like we've had our Spider-Verse movie already, and it hasn't been that long ago. And now you're going to come in and do a live-action version of something that was done so so extremely well in animation, and people remember how well that was done. So you actually have something that you need to live up to in this, which sounds crazy because Tom Holland has made two very good Spider-Man movies, and everyone involved has done that. But at the same time, it just feels like they're going to try to put too much into this and you better find something substantive and something different to bring to the table in this. But I also feel like they're at danger of, of being criticized for not including more characters. Like, are you going to get criticized if you don't have Miles Morales in this movie? Are you going to get criticized if you don't have Spider-Man 2099 or maybe some of these other Spider-Men in this? Are people going to care if Andrew Garfield's in this? But isn't, but Tommy McGuire is, or vice versa. There's so many things that could go wrong with this that you just you need to be careful where you're treading here. I guess is what I'm saying. And 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 again, I'm I am you know me. If you've listened to the show, I am very open minded, and I'm looking forward to this. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying you got to tread lightly here. You got to be really really careful because this could go bad in a hurry. Here's something that. We already know is good, though. I want to talk about a couple of trailers for Netflix shows really quick. you got Transformers, War for Cybertron, Earthrise. That's part two of the story. It's going to be coming out on December the 30th. That, so that's just a couple of weeks away here. And, you know, the AllSpark is, is off of Cybertron now. So you've got a couple of different stories that are going to be at play in Earthrise here. You've got Optimus Prime and his group that have taken the AllSpark and clearly run into some trouble wherever they've ended up. Right. And then you've also got, remember, Alita One staying behind because somebody has to defend Cybertron. And you've also got Megatron, who looks like his authority is being questioned. And not to mention, Cybertron is slowly dying now that the AllSpark is gone from there. So how is the, how is that going to get dealt with? So there's still a war to be fought on Cybertron. But there's also this mission that seems like it's a really, really important one that Optimus Prime is on, and, and it seems like he doesn't realize exactly how important it is until it's actually occurring. And there are there there are clearly some that are wiser than he that are telling him, hey, you, you now you need to stay on this path. It's almost like, hey, you started this, now you better finish it. So I think this could actually end up being the most intriguing part in this trilogy that we're going to get for Transformers War for Cybertron because you have those dueling storylines that are both super, super interesting. And where this one ends up, I think is going to be the most interesting as well. So definitely look out for my review of this Transformers War for Cybertron Earthrise coming to Netflix on December the 30th. I cannot 
not talk about the Cobra Kai trailer. That season three trailer that Netflix dropped, of course, that series returning in January of 2021. Let's just get out of the way right now that we have confirmed our Karate Kid 2 characters that are going to be in this. Chosen is going to be back in this. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Looked like we've got Kumiko that's going to be in this as well, which I didn't see that coming at all. And maybe we'll find out what those secrets were that maybe Misty Miyagi was hiding from Daniel. But the biggest part about this for me was, is we're going to get a LaRusso-Lawrence team-up in this series. Like, the only way to finally take down John Kreese and set everything right, and set everything that's happened with the kids right, is to join forces. And it feels like not only are we going to get the great storytelling that we got in Season 1 and Season 2, but we're finally going to get this buddy relationship between Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence. And maybe they'll find some common ground, finally, if not just for one scene, but in totality. I think this could be the season that, that really, really just elevates Cobra Kai to another level. And I think it's already the best nostalgia-based series that has brought back something that we loved from the past and and told a fantastic story here in the present. But I think that this this third season might end up being the best yet. It is so set up to be the best one yet. And not to mention you've got Johnny that that, that is really becoming that father figure once again for Miguel and just standing by him and you know for lack of a better term nursing him back to health, right? And just being that constant presence in his life. And I think that's going to be a really deep storyline that continues in this as well. And, you know, clearly Robbie's falling on some tough times because it looks like he gets arrested and what he's going to have to deal with. There's just so many different angles for this season. And I cannot wait to see how they play out. So there's a lot to be excited about. Christmas definitely came early nerd news wise for us this week. And I can't wait for so many amazing things that we have to look forward to. But that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Again, thanks to Jack Bannon for joining me this week. Make sure you're watching Pennyworth on Epics this Sunday night on Epics, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And just, you know, just make sure you're watching multiple times if you can to on the Epics app as well. This is a season not to be missed. I got a chance to see some of the episodes early. Let me tell you, yeah, you're going to want to watch Pennyworth. This second season is insane. In just the first few episodes, I can tell you that right now. Do not miss another. We'll have another Pennyworth interview coming up in a couple of weeks, actually, too, so make sure you're ready for that. Also, make sure you're checking out our sponsor, Kobo. Make sure you go to Kobo.com slash down and nerdy to get your 30-day free trial. Check out a free audio book and maybe find out why Kobo might be the perfect gift for the holiday season as well for somebody on your list. You want to get more about us, though, go to downandnerdypodcast.com. Best place to do that. Also follow along on social media at Down and Nerdy 757 on Twitter, on Instagram, and at Down and Nerdy on Facebook. Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly. Be good to your fellow nerds.